You know, we talk about life change every single week. We talk about that at Stuttgart Harvest Church. And so we talk to you about being involved every single Sunday that you're in town. We encourage you to be here with us in this room and to have your children in the children's experiences every Sunday. We talk about you being involved and how we are a church of small groups. That's not just something we do on the side that's a little extra special. Every single thing we do is geared, at Stuttgart Harvest Church, is geared to get you into a small group. But sometimes, even though we're, you may be here every single Sunday you're in town, and you may be involved in every small group, uh, in a small group, every trimester that one is offered, you may still say to yourself, but I, I feel like my life change is not happening fast enough. It's not happening enough. Not enough is going on. And I'm doing everything that you have said, Harley. I'm doing it all. And we talk week after week about changes that God wants to make inside of your life. And, and we talk about how those changes are from the inside out. And then you may, it may lead you to ask the question to yourself, okay, inside out, but how does this really happen? And this morning I want to say that there is, there is a very special ingredient for that to happen. And when it is added to, mixed with what we do on Sunday mornings and what you are doing every trimester in the small group that you sign up for, when what we are talking about in this series is added to that, it almost acts like miracle grow sprinkled all over your life, as a Christ follower, things begin to happen from the inside out when you add what we're talking about today. How does this happen? Well, I can use one word really to describe this whole thing, and it is called relationship. Now, when you're in this room on Sunday mornings, we don't get to build a lot of relationships because we are here really to worship and to study God's Word and to learn. Worship and learn. You do get to experience relationships in small groups, and that's really our primary uh, uh, connection in those small groups, God working in our lives through relationships. And like any relationship, though, the relationship that we're going to be talking about through this series, every relationship in our life, in the beginning... For most people, there's a very small segment that it's not true for, but for most people, every relationship in the beginning is awkward at first. Think with me for a moment about relationships. Let's say you show up to go to work tomorrow at a new place, and you are silent going in. You take all the direction that they give you, but you're silent, and you're silent all day long, and you're silent as you leave. And let's say then you go home, and you're completely silent. Let's say you're getting dinner ready, maybe. You're preparing dinner, you're doing all that, but you're silent. You don't say anything to anybody. You don't talk to anybody. You're silent. People come down, and they eat together around a table or a counter. Or you're eating together. You're outside maybe on the porch, and you're eating, but you're silent. You have yet to say a word to anybody inside of your home. You're silent. And let's say you get up for breakfast the next morning, and you are silent. You don't say a word. You don't say a thing. You go about your, 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 your morning getting ready, and you pass them. You walk by them. Silent, not a word. 
supper comes around again that night, silent, not a word. You were at work that day, silent, not a word. You're not talking to anybody, silence, 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 just nothing but silence. You would end up in your life as a stranger to absolutely everybody in your life, at work, at home. You would be strangers at home just simply sharing the same house. And at work, you would be strangers just sharing the same workplace. That is not a relationship. That is simply existing with other people around you. In order to have a relationship, there has to be interaction. And here comes this magic, this secret ingredient for you to have growth from the inside out of your life, and it is relationship, interaction with God. You see, God actually desires a personal, up-close interaction with you. Listen to how the psalmist puts this in Psalm 27, 8. His heart is just screaming out. He says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart has heard you say, God, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. You hear the excitement in that relationship. The psalmist, his heart is compelled and God desires that connection with you. And you know what? In our lives, we actually require that connection with God. That connection, that relationship connection, we require that in our life if we are going to actually grow. You see, Jesus describes this relationship. It happens through a connection. It happens as he describes himself as a vine, and we are a branch connected to that vine. Here's how Jesus describes that in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus describes it. He says, dwell in me. These are the words of Jesus. Dwell in me, and I will dwell in you. Live in me. I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself or by itself without abiding in, being vitally united to what? The vine. He says, Jesus says, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Be vitally united connected to me, Jesus says. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, if we are not connected, abiding, vitally united in a significant way, connected in a significant way, apart from me, cut off from that vital union from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If you want to live in Him, <coughs> pardon me, and allow Him to live in you, I'm going to show you one very important 
and so often overlooked way that you can do that. If change comes in our lives from the inside out, then we've got to get some things going in our life on the inside. Do you agree with that? What Jesus said? We've got to be connected. It's got to be, he's got to be flowing. We've got to be connected vitally, relationally to him. Things, him flowing in us, us being connected to him. Or, like so many people, do you happen to believe that it just happens? That all you have to do is just show up and be present, go to a worship experience on Sunday, um, just know that God loves you and that, he, that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross for your sins, just being aware of all of that, that's enough that things will just begin to happen in our lives with that knowledge. But that's not what Jesus says. He says we must be vitally connected, him flowing through us and us being connected in him. If that's what you believe, if you believe those words of Jesus are accurate, then we're going to teach you how. But I do have to start off by saying this. So far in my life, 2019 has been very, very busy. And I'm going to assume that possibly for you as well. That 2019 has been very, very busy. I have so much to do. You have so much to do. For me, I am so far behind in what I need to do and what I need to get done. I start off every single week already weeks and weeks behind. That's how I start off my week. I'm not just exaggerating. It's a fact. You could say I have too many irons in the fire. How many of you have heard that term, too many irons in the fire? Yeah. Yeah. We've heard that term. We've grown up with that term. Well, let me explain that term. In this series, we kind of have this blacksmith, uh, uh, furrier, uh, whole theme going. So let me explain to you what it means to have too many irons in the fire. When, we, when a blacksmith is working on a piece of iron, he has that in the fire. And it's getting hot, and it's getting, turning from hot to kind of yellow hot, then red hot and glowing, and, and then eventually, as it gets near the hottest point, it's going to turn white hot. But if he has, and he grabs a piece of iron, and he's working with that, he has some other irons in the fire that he's working with, but he has just enough irons in the fire so that as he gets this one and it starts to cool, he can put that back in the fire and grab the next one and be working on that. But if he has too many irons in the fire, they move from white hot because they stay in the fire too long. They move from white hot to where the iron actually begins to disintegrate. It begins to burn up. And it is then useless if you have too many irons in the fire. That iron gets so hot, it will begin to burn up. And in my life, I have a tendency for me to have too many irons in the fire. Which means this. I get to the point where it is time for me to relate to God, to have a relationship every single day with God if I have too many the irons in the fire, then it's not long before I don't really have any time to relate 
to God. I don't have any time to stop and slow down and connect with God. How about you? Do you find the same truth for you? I don't think I'm alone. I bet many of us this morning in this room have that same tendency. We get so many irons in the fire that we one of the first things to go in our life is us connecting, relating to, having a relationship every single day with God. There's this very famous man from centuries ago. His name was Martin Luther. Martin Luther, very famous because he's, he is the reason we have an entire denomination called the Lutherans. Martin Luther is responsible for that. Very, very, very busy man. Extremely busy. One time, Martin Luther was asked um, what his plans were for the following day, and Martin Luther answered with this. Here's a quote from him. He said, work, 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 from early morning until late. In fact, he said, I have so much to do, I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, Martin Luther had some irons in the fire. He was one of the fathers of what we call the Great Reformation of the church. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say I bet he was a busy, busy man. But he knew that he must be constantly connected to God in a relationship. As busy as Martin Luther was, and as important and as urgent of work that Martin Luther had to do, guess who was probably even a little bit more, uh, had a little bit more important work possibly to do? That'd be Jesus. And even Jesus, there was no more important work on this entire created universe, no more important work than what Jesus had to do. And Jesus himself even practiced connection with God the Father and God the Spirit. That blows my mind. God the Son, God himself, practiced connection and relationship with God. <laughs> that's bigger than my mind can comprehend, but that's the reality. Mark even tells us about it. One of the followers of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Mark describes this. He says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Amazing. Jesus himself, God himself, showed us how to connect in a relationship with God. And he did that through prayer. One day, Martin Luther uh, was getting his hair cut. Yeah, they used to get haircuts back in the day from an actual barber. He was getting his hair cut, and his barber asked him, he said, will you, Martin Luther, will you teach me how to pray? And Martin Luther took it very seriously. He went home, and he wrote his barber an essay teaching him how to pray. Now, here's what I find so interesting about this essay. In a moment, I'm going to read you part of that essay. 
But Martin is about to point out, as if we're on first name basis, <laughs> Martin Luther is about to point out He's about to point out that if you have too many irons in the fire, you cannot focus on God. That's what he's going to point out. And in my life, how many times have I had too many irons in the fire? And so then I began to, uh, I began to try to, to make up ground because I feel guilty. Because maybe I have forgotten or I was just too busy, too exhausted to connect with God and relate with God. And so finally here I am, maybe at the end of my day. How many times have I done this? And I try to squeeze in a prayer before I go to sleep. So that I can at least ease my guilt and ease my conscience into thinking, yes, I did. I related to God today. I spent time with God today. And I will lay down. I will have a prayer. I try to squeeze one in before bedtime, and then what happens? I wake up the next morning, and I realize I fell asleep on God. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I think falling asleep on God for me feels a whole lot worse than me not having talked to him at all. Listen to what Martin Luther wrote to his barber. Now, Martin Luther is going to use a way to talk to his barber in a way that his barber will understand and relate to. So just like we're talking about having too many irons in the fire, so much so that we can't focus. Listen to how Martin Luther describes this to his bar barber. He wrote this essay. Here's a small portion. Martin Luther said this. So a good and attentive barber keeps his thoughts and his attention and his eyes on the razor and hair and does not forget how far he has gotten with, uh, he says, with his shaving or his cutting. If he wants to engage in too much conversation, or, or if he lets his mind wander, or if he looks somewhere else, he is likely to cut his customer's mouth or his nose or to cut his throat. Thus, Martin says, if anything is to be done well, it requires the full attention of all of one's senses and members, he says, as the proverb says. He says, plurbius intentus, minor est ad singula sensus. He wasn't talking to Harry Potter and casting a spell. He was saying this, he who thinks of many things, thinks of nothing, and does nothing right. And he goes on, how much more does, does prayer call for the concentration and the singleness of heart if it is to be a good prayer? That's what he wrote his barber, just part of it. If we have too many irons in the fire in our lives, we're not going to be effective. And we're never really going to relate properly to God. A blacksmith, he's going to have just the number he can work with. Just enough so that he can stay focused and not hurried and he will not burn up the iron that's not yet being used. 
So I think in order for us to accomplish this, perhaps we need a plan. A plan that will help us with where, and will help us with when, and and will help us with how. And I would go a step further to say not just a plan, but maybe we need to write that plan down. Do you know Jesus even had a plan? Jesus had a specific plan to get rid of distractions. We just read it. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Here we go again. We just read it. Jesus had a plan for when? Before daybreak the next morning. In other words, before the sun came up, before he got busy, before the day was upon him, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out. There's a where. A where, where did Jesus go to avoid distraction? An isolated place. So Jesus had a plan for when. For Jesus, it was for, before daybreak. He had a, a, a plan of where? An isolated place. And then there was a plan of how. How am I going to connect? How am I going to relate to God? Through prayer. Jesus had a very specific plan. It allowed Jesus to focus before he had the distractions of his day and the world upon him. He was able to focus. Martin Luther said, focus. That is so important, focus. Jesus gives us an example. Now listen to what Paul said about focus in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. This is what Paul says about focus. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be devoted to it. How? With an alert mind and a thankful heart. An alert, focused mind. This morning I'm going to encourage you on the back of the book that I handed you this morning or that you picked up on that table, I'm going to encourage you to write the word when, W-H-E-N. When are you going to relate to God? Now my encouragement And it's simply encouragement would just be to say, perhaps the best time is in the morning before your day gets started. But we're not going to be legalistic about this. We want you to have a when. When is that for you? When is the most distraction-free time for you? When is that most possible? For some of you, it may be in the evening. For some of you, it may be at lunch. But I'm going to encourage you today to fill in that blank of when. You may not be able to do it right this moment, but before we leave, I'm going to ask you to do that. Here's the next word I want you to write under when. I want you to write the word where. W-H-E-R-E, where. So we have when and we have where. It needs to be an isolated place. For some of you mothers, mothers of young children especially, your wear may be in the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe lock on the door. It may be, I don't know. But find a where for you. When and a where. And then the last word under where under, <laughs> under the where. Write the word how. How. And I'm going to ask you to consider over the next 30 days with us. Your family at Stuttgart Harvest Church, I'm going to ask you, will you 
use this plan that I'm going to teach you over the course of this series, will you use this plan for 30 days? I'm going to ask you, will you do that? This is going to be the most hands-on series that we have ever done. We're going to teach you how to build and grow this thing that we call a relationship with Jesus. And it's going to be awkward at first. It's going to be so awkward at first. Even if you've been a follower of Jesus for years and years and years, this type of relating to Jesus for most of us will be so awkward at first, but we're going to give you actual experience every single week. I would encourage you, you don't have to, but I would encourage you to bring this little book with you every, every week for this series. You don't have to, by, by any means. We're not being legalistic about this, but I would encourage you because we're going to pause and use this book. Now, I don't have enough. Lynn worked so hard on getting these books ready for you this week, and we have enough to pass out to people today who are here and um, in the next worship experience and then those over the next two weeks who come for their first time in this building. We don't have enough for you to take extra books home for, for your family members or your friends. We, we, I'm so sorry, we don't. So we just have enough for you as you attend this worship experience with us live and in person. But we're going to pause during each experience over the next four weeks, five weeks, and we're going to have moments where you go into that journal and you do something very practical. We're going to teach you over the course of this series how to use that journal with actual experience. And then we're going to ask you to take that home with you and then do what we have taught that week. Don't jump into the other parts of the book. Save that for the weeks that we teach on that. Just the part we taught on, do that. And then next week we'll add one more part. The next week we'll add one more part. The next week we'll add one more. That's how it'll work. So let's get started this morning. Will you open that journal, just one page open, and you're right there, right where you need to be. The top of that, it's going to be a little difficult to see. Uh, don't worry about that. For the, the next few moments, when the time comes for you to write something down, I'm going to ask... Uh, uh, the men in the back to give us just enough light to, to barely see some shadows, um, but not yet. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when that time comes. We're going to do that um, one, two, three, four times this morning. Let me talk to you about this fir very first section. It's called Talk to God. So we're going to do what Jesus did, and we're going to pray. We, we're going to ask you to pray every single day and, and, and to do what Martin Luther said, to be very focused and, and to concentrate if you have a mind like mine, my mind goes all over the place and it's chasing squirrels if you have a mind anything like my mind. And so this tool is going to help you focus and concentrate while you're writing your prayer down to concentrate on God. And you might say, I hate to write. Well, listen, I, I'm going to encourage you to write this anyway. You say, I'm not a good writer. I don't spell. I, I, I'm a horrible speller. That's okay. No one's going to read this except you and God. doesn't matter how you spell a word, how you misspell a word. It doesn't matter if you use abbreviations. doesn't matter. It's just going to help you to concentrate. 
The very first section says, praise him for who he is. This is the first part of how we're going to teach you to pray to God as you use this journal. We're going to teach you to praise. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, here's what it says about that. It says, therefore, through him, that is Jesus, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is, and he describes what that is, that is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. The Bible tells us in Psalm 100 uh, and, and verse 4, it tells us to go into his, that's God, go into his courts with praise. I, I take all of this to mean it's perhaps a good way for us to get into the presence of God is by praising him. Now you say, I'm not sure how to praise. Well, here's another word for that. It's just adore. When you first started adoring your sugar booger, whoever that might be, you had no problem adoring them. Oh, you just adored them. That's another word for praise. We're just adoring God. But here's a little key phrase for that. We're adoring, we're praising God for who he is. Not really for what he has done. We're praising God for who he is. Let me give you some examples. We praise God because he is full of grace. That is a characteristic of who he is. He is full of grace. We praise God because he is full of mercy. We praise God for his unfailing love. These are all aspects of who God is. And so when you ask yourself, who is God? Now, this is one of the reasons that sometimes this whole relationship thing is so awkward. Because if we have not been relating to God in a relationship as a real being, and not just a grandfatherly figure sitting on a throne somewhere. If we are truly conversing, having a conversation, a talk with God, it can be awkward because we don't really know who God is. But the more we know who He is and the more we relate to God, the, the more normal and natural this becomes. We praise God for who He is. I want you to take just a moment right now. And we're going to get a few lights on for just a moment. And I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. And I want you in that section that says praise him for who he is. I want you to begin to write down. This is not talking about God. This is addressing him directly. God, I praise you or I adore you because you are, and then fill in the blank. What is that for you? Do that right now. Take about 30 seconds to do that. I've let about 15 seconds go by. You can keep writing, and I would encourage you, don't just take 30 seconds to praise God in the morning when, or whenever your time is set aside. You could spend minutes doing that. Praise God for who he is. Will anybody give me an example? Why did you praise God? Because God, you are what? My Savior. What else? My strength. What else? God, you are, all, you are compassion, aren't you? And he is compassionate. What else? You are amazing. Y'all are, y'all, 
our amazing creations of God. Y'all are getting this. You understand it. God, I praise you. We can take the lights out for just a moment. The next section, it says, ask forgiveness for specific sins. The Bible clearly tells us in 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. (laughs) And we're not living in the truth, the writer says. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We encourage you to do. Now, Jesus had nothing to confess, but we do. We encourage you to confess your sins to God very specifically, and here's why. You don't sin generally. You don't have general sins. We have very specific sins, don't we? We sin in very specific ways. And we encourage you, don't say, God, forgive me for all my sin. What is, God already knows how you've blown it. Do you know what this really is? This is not you letting God know how you have blown it. He already knows. He are, you're not going to shock him. You're not going to surprise him. Ooh, didn't see that one coming <laughs> You're not going to blow him away. He already knows exactly how you sin. He wants to hear you say that you understand exactly how you have sinned. So we don't say, God, forgive me for all my sin. We say, God, forgive me for that one and that one. And oh, yeah, this one too and this one and this one. And if we do this every single day, our list is not going to be that long. In the beginning, it might be kind of long because we may be playing some catch-up. But you don't have to sit there for hours trying to figure out. As God brings it to your mind, say, oh, yeah, that one. God, forgive me for this. Now, these journals are very private. Nobody should ever, ever, ever be looking at somebody else's. In fact, I encourage you to put your name on the front of that. Don't leave it out for other people to read it. This is personal. In fact, when you get to the sin part, you might write in code. That's okay. (laughs) God knows. God knows. But we need to ask for forgiveness for specific sins because we do not sin generally. And I'm going to ask you to do that right now. The lights are coming on. God, ask forgiveness. God, forgive me. And as God brings something to your mind, it may have been, you may, you may have a small list just from this morning driving over here. <laughs> God, forgive me for this. Write that down. That's between you and God right now. Just take about 15 seconds to get this started just to help you understand. And I'm not going to ask you to call out your sins like we did the praises. <laughs> no fear. Do that right now. Now you can continue writing. I just wanted, I want to give you another verse here that I left off. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this amazing verse. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away. How? By nailing it to the cross. And that's the sins that you just confessed to God. That's where they are. They're on the cross, they're forgiven. And you have just agreed with God. God, yeah, I recognize, I understand that specific thing that was a sin. Now, the next section, the next session says this. Thank him for what he has done. Thank him for what he has done. 
Now, we praise God for who God is, but now we're going to thank Him for what He has done. The Bible tells us also in Psalm 104, enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. You want to get through the relationship gate with God? Begin thanking Him for what He has done. Paul tells us, uh, describes how we are to be thankful in all circumstances. Paul never really tells us we have to be thankful for those circumstances in our life because how many of us are thankful for, for the, uh, the cancer that has taken our family's lives? How many of us are thankful for diabetes that have killed kidneys? How many of us are thankful for um, the illnesses and, and the troubles that have harmed people? We're not thankful for those, are we? Paul says we can be thankful in the midst of those tough things. We can have an attitude of gratitude. Our attitude can be saying, even in the midst of this misery, I am thankful for you, God, for what you've done. Thankful in the midst of what that misery might be, but we're thankful for what God has done and is doing and will do. We can be thankful for God's power. We can be thankful for God's promises, very specifically. We can be thankful for, for how He has shown us mercy and how He has shown us that grace, very specifically, things He has done in and around our lives. We can be thankful for that perfecting work of Him making us slowly more and more and more like Him. We're thankful for what He has done. I want you to take a moment right now in that section. Thank Him for what He has done. And write a note to God. This is a prayer saying, God, I thank you for... And then fill in the blank. Do that right now. Continue writing. I do want to ask some of you, what are some things that you are thankful for? Let me hear. Say that again. Godly friends. What over here? Children, what else? Grace. I heard something right here. I don't have great hearing. <laughs> we are so thankful. God, I'm so thankful you are doing, have done this. All right, y'all are doing so good. Here's the next thing. The next section says this. Ask God for what you and others need. The Bible tells us in Philippians, there's a passage here where, where uh, Paul describes this in verse 6 of chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Yeah, e easy, right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, though, do something instead of worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him. There's that thankfulness again. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has already done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. It's the only way to get it. God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in, connected to, a vital connection daily relating to Christ Jesus. We are utterly dependent upon Jesus 
we must grow to the point where we every day have more and more and more trust in Him. But I, I want to, before I go any further from this passage that I just read, I want to say this. Does this passage we just read mean that God is going to do everything you want Him to do? It does not. You're right. It does not mean that. But it means that we are learning to trust Him. He may not take that circumstance away. He may not remove that difficult situation or that difficulty from your life. But God has promised that no trial that any believer faces will be too difficult for them to handle if they lean upon Him. He may not remove that illness. He may not solve your money problem. But He has promised us this. That everything that happens in our lives, God can use what happens to us and around us. He can use that in our lives for our ultimate good. You might, and I really should change that word to, you will. You will suffer. But even in suffering, God can use that to lead us to being more and more of who He has created us to be and who He wants us to be. He can use that to strengthen us. He can use it to change us. What I want you to do is uh, uh, flip over. You see this in the section. Give us just a little bit of light. We're getting ready to write in just a moment. You can see that bottom section, it says, ask God for what you and the others need, okay? But then there's a piece of cardstock, and there's a next section that says, remember to pray for these. Remember to pray for these. There are some things that you're going to pray for over and over and over and over again, and that's what this next section is for. Those things you know, you're going to pray over and over and over again for your spouse, for your children, for your parents. Some of those you're going to pray for every single day. Some of those you're going to pray for maybe a couple times a week, but you don't want to forget to do it. So that's what this is for. Fill in one of these pages per week. That's why there's only a couple of pages, so you have four sections of this. It says, remember to pray for these. These are things you're going to pray for over and over and just use one page a week. This book is going to last you for one month. So these are things you want to pray for every day. These are things you want to pray for maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then at the bottom, these are things maybe you're going to pray for Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. You divide out those things. But then back over to the Talk to God section in this section at the bottom, it says, and ask God for what you and others need. These are things that are maybe a little more immediate that you aren't praying for every single day, but you know, I need to pray for this today. I need to pray for this today. I need to ask God to help me with this. I need to ask God to guide me here. I need to ask God for some wisdom concerning this. I need to pray for this person at work. You know, these are some immediate things. And so I want to take just a moment on this section of the talk to God section 
I want you to take just a moment right now to ask God for a couple of things that are on your heart right now. Would you just simply in that section ask God for what you and others need? Take about 15 seconds and you talk to God right now. I know there are many, many more things that you need to talk to God about. And guess what? You have a tool to help you do it. As the band is making their way up to the front, I simply want to close with this. I want to ask you, will you fill in those blanks on the back of your your journal? Will you fill those in? For you, and really just fill it in for this week. I'm not asking you to fill it in for the next 30 days. But for this week, where, when, let's start with the when. That's what we did earlier. When, when, when will you... This is going to be the morning. It's going to be before your day gets started. Will you fill in a win? I would ask you, maybe if you know your schedule really well, would you fill in a specific time for you? When? If you're like my house, that win for Vanessa and I, our win begins about 4, 4.30 in the morning. So I don't know what yours is. For you, it may be at lunch or it may be in the afternoon. Just fill in the when right now. Would you now fill in the where? Where is your isolated place for this week to use this tool to help you relate, stay vitally connected to Jesus? Where, where's that going to be? Where's that isolated place for you? And then I end with this. It's the how. I'm going to ask you right now, will you use this tool? And this week, you're just using that first section talk to God, and the one right after that that says, remember to pray for these things. Will you commit with us to use this tool over the next 30 days? And I promise you, if you will, you will begin to sense Jesus making a difference in your life from the inside out. I told you, if you don't, if you don't, my career has been a waste. My 30 plus years in ministry has been a complete waste. I believe this will change your life. You, every day, relating to Jesus, your Savior. Will you come back next week? Because this is just the start. We have many steps to help you relate to Jesus. This is the starting place. Join me as we pray. God, may we start this life change process. May we talk to you, the life changer, every single day. May we focus and may we write this down free from distraction. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard. And God, we ask you to give us the courage to do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.